Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, all right, all right, my friends. You've tuned in to America's Home for Conservative, Not Bitter Talk. Yes, I am your host, the one and only Todd Huff. It's a pleasure to be here. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Thoughts, questions, feedback, opinion, adoration, and praise. Also, you can text us, too, since we've been sharing the text uh, number which is 317-210-2830. Yes, I do check those. I check the text messages. I don't know, Some of you don't believe me. Whatever. I'm just telling you the truth. Take it or leave it, but you can send those messages there. And if you're interested in, if you're interested in the potential viewing party for 2,000 mules, text the word mules to that number. Again, that number is 317-210-2830. Three zero, the word mules, and we will uh, uh, get you some information on what we're looking at doing as that, uh, God willing, comes into um, into shape. So, I want to talk today. You know, there's a lot of things on any given day to talk about on this program. As you, as you well know, we could take this program any number of directions, but I was yesterday... <laughs> As I was, my son and I had been riding bikes at one of the local parks, and on the way back, driving over there, I just, you know, I, I was thinking, reading some things, you know how it is, just thinking about where this country is headed, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm with my son, I'm thinking about, you know, trying to tell him some things, and he's he's a smart, smart kid, kind of wise beyond his years. And I've, I've told him some things, and I said, I, you know, I don't like to tell you these things, even though I think they're true. It's hard to wrap your head around some of this. It's hard to wrap your head around the reality that there are people in this country who literally hate this country. I, I love this country. We raise our children to be appreciative and grateful for this country. This is a fantastic place. It has transformed the landscape that we experience on planet earth it is a it has th- this nation has done so much good and again it is not i i you have to say it in case some leftist is tuned in here and doesn't want to hear that this does not mean america has been perfect it doesn't mean america does does not have a lot of you know bad things that have happened that she's you know that that the founders even caused but in its totality, taken in its totality, this nation has helped usher in freedom and liberty, not just for this people in this nation, but it's, it's spread throughout the world and prosperity. Prosperity and the average uh, just standard of living in this country, all of these things are remarkably better because of the United States of America. And to, to accept the reality that some people don't like it, that they, in fact, hate it. In fact, I've shared with him. I've shared with you. I shared with him the same things I share with you. 
as much as I, you know, I've changed it, not changed the content, but changed the delivery to accommodate the understanding of a, of a 12 year old or whatever. But you know, this, I, I had professors, I had professors, I had professors that hate this country. Now that's been 150 years ago. And <laughs> there are more professors that hate America today than there were that when I went to school back in uh, the late nineties, right? I graduated in 2000. So, um, I can't even, well, I can say on the diploma, I graduated in 2000 from Butler University. So at least it's the same, I guess, millennia. I don't want to get into the details of when the real millennia is, but it has the same starting number, the two, instead of the one, so that my children will have the same number, the first number on the diploma. But anyhow, um, but to, to think that folks hate it the way that they do is a lot to digest, Again, I had professors in college. Literally, I had one who lived in the Soviet Union, and he was the one that taught the class, is capitalism really better? And if I am being candid, I think his objective was to convince us. And I don't think he... He was, a, I think, fairer than, than most, than many professors. But I think he wanted to see us leave there thinking that the best system was what was in the Soviet Union. And he succeeded on 50% of the class. I've shared that story. There were eight of us. We took a vote at the end of the semester. Four voted for capitalism, including yours truly. Four voted for communism. I just, it's not funny. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling to me, but still, that's what we had to deal with. And these folks, they just don't like this country. They don't like how it was how it was founded. They don't like these principles. And all the founders did, and I don't minimize it as saying it's no big deal, but really all they did was recognize truth. They recognized that people are created in the image of their creator and that people are not supposed to be subjects. No, no, no. People are designed to live their lives in ways that make the most sense to them, that allows them to pursue the things they want to pursue, to set the goals and objectives uh, objectives that they want to set or not set, to live the life that they want to create and to pass that on to their next generation to the next generation. And to have liberty, the choice, the freedom along the way. And that is a beautiful beautiful thing. And there are people who literally hate it because they don't like they they think candidly, they think they're smarter than the rest of us and that they should be in charge of making the decisions and the rest of us should just submit to their massive intellects and just simply go about our business as they tell us to go about our business. And a lot of these folks are attracted. They are attracted to positions in politics. That's not meant to be a blanket statement. There are people there that go to defend liberty, but the temptation is there. The temptation is there for anyone to try to usurp more authority, more power than was intended to be given to that person. This is the nature. This is human nature and the nature of government. It just is the way that it is. I've been through this a lot. Um, I think the easiest way to understand this is that God created humanity, and we, you know, he he told us. And I know some people don't believe this, but that's that's okay. I'm just going to explain it this way, and you take from it what you will, or apply it as you think best but you know we were told to 
have dominion over the earth, to inhabit it, to multiply, to kind of to to build and, and make improvements. And the nature of humanity is to build things, whether it's building families, whether it's building businesses, whether it's building and I say this carefully, I don't mean to say build a church just for the sake of, of building it, but you know, building a church that um, is there to tell people, uh, to, to give people the opportunity to hear biblical truth and so forth, whatever it is, right? I mean, people have hobbies, they have friends that build little go-karts and, and race cars. I got, you know, we all have different types of, uh, we all do different sorts of things, have different hobbies, and it's usually to, you know, to do something that we like and to make, to get better at it, right? If you're an artist, you might paint or you might sculpt or I don't, if you're, if you're a golfer, you want to, like my dad, um, you want to improve your score, lower your handicap, whatever the case, right? This is the nature. The problem is that when we get into a government like we have and the founders understood that in order to have free people who can build things as they see fit, whatever they choose to build or not to build, in order to keep that from being interfered with as much as possible, you have to have a government that is not that doesn't get too big to where it actually creates impediments, whether that's financial impediments, whether that is bureaucratic regulations and red tape, just to eliminate the things that government does. And you have to keep it small, right? Keep it small. And so the nature of humanity is to grow things. And that's why we had to have the Constitution that, f- that framed what our government was supposed to be. And they said, this is, this is the boundary line. This is where you're supposed to be. But we've gone way, way past that. Way, way past that. And I'm, I'm setting this up. I'm talking about concepts and ideas. And I'm going to go back to leaving the park yesterday. We needed to pull in and get some gas. We, we drive a diesel uh, pickup truck. We were low on gas. I pulled in to get gas, and I looked. I looked out. I looked at the road, and you've all seen this. I was kind of um, <laughs> venting to my son because I thought, you know what? As I as I looked at the the honestly the stupid things. Have you noticed that when there's construction in your area, it's like every road, and that's what's happening in our area, and it's been this way for some time. So. They've got one lane restricted, and then there's another road that leads out of the town that I was in, but it's closed. They're replacing a bridge or working on a bridge. And then, of course, you get onto the interstate. It's got restricted lanes. I mean, there's barrels everywhere, everywhere, orange barrels just coming out the wazoo. And they have the lane restricted, and I don't know why it's restricted. They're not doing anything here, and they haven't been and it goes all the way up and down this road for a couple miles. And I'm sitting there in traffic, paying a very high amount for diesel fuel. And I'm just thinking about this. And I'm like, and, and I, I just, I kind of have an epiphany. Not, not a completely new epiphany, but just, you know, you realize things at moments in time as I'm sitting there pumping the gas and trying to, you know, not to pass out from the total and so forth, but I'm looking out at the road and I'm thinking, you know what? The amount of obstacles the government is placing, and I mean the state of Indiana, I mean the federal government, I'm in Indiana, so whatever state you're in, 
I talked to someone yesterday who's in California. <laughs> it's probably much worse in California, um, the People's Republic of California. But we've got all these things. I, and I think how much extra fuel are people burning because they can't use, they're sitting in traffic, traffic that's created by mismanagement or poor planning by the state. How much gas is not getting to the pumps because people like Joe Biden, other radicals who hate the internal combustion engine, who hate American oil, big oil in general, who hate, I mean, <laughs> capitalism, dare I say that. I want to get into this. Uh, the, these calls for windfall profits tax. We're going to talk about this today when it comes to gasoline and big oil and how they've I mean, they we're being gaslit. We're being gaslit by our government in a lot of ways. And one of them is we're being gaslit into believing that the enemy, and I'm not here to defend big oil, but the folks, the primary enemy, when you're thinking, and I mean that metaphorically, the primary metaphorical enemy here is not big oil. It is our government. It is everything from as small as what I just started with, which was things like creating obstacles for the free flow of traffic, which means you're burning more fuel, right? Something as small as that, to the taxes on the gasoline, which we'll talk about as well, to the taxes on the things that use gasoline, right? Like your vehicles, to the tax on the income that you use to purchase the gasoline, to the obstacles they throw up in front of people who want to explore for oil, which can drive down the cost of gasoline, to the policies that are implemented on things like the Keystone XL pipeline. And folks, let me just say this. You saw Biden. Did I see this yesterday? Biden is about to release more oil from the strategic oil reserves. The next time, (laughs) the next time someone says to you, the Keystone XL pipeline wasn't even for the United States. You ask them, pretend for a moment, person who said that to me, pretend for a moment that we had at the end of the Keystone XL pipeline, someone putting that oil into into containers or into a shipment that was going to go to America's strategic oil reserves. And let's just say we're going to use that oil to replenish what Biden is taking out of there. Is it not conceivable? (laughs) I, I I am dumbfounded at the way that people refuse to see the dynamic nature of an economy. Is it not conceivable that the oil, whatever its original intent for being piped through that pipeline was, whether it's to go to Europe or go to wherever, is it not conceivable that simply by having more of it that's coming out of that, 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 you know, that spigot, if you will, that pipeline, is it not conceivable that enough of that would drive down oil prices? If not, then why in the world is Biden's desire or Biden's plan to release more oil from the strategic oil reserves, which candidly is a strategic mistake when you think about the risks and, and the reasons that we have it to begin with. Not, not a fabricated crisis that's created in part by the way that we are responding, the way that this government is responding to all things pertaining to energy, right? That, that oil is there for literal emergencies. That oil is there for not just if a president thinks oil prices are too high, when there's obviously about, I don't know, a couple dozen things 
that governments could do to help alleviate those price pressures. No, no, no. Instead, they want to release that oil from the oil reserves. Meanwhile, we have people on the left telling us if we had oil running through that pipeline, that it wouldn't help drive down the cost of oil, but we're going to do this. It just, it makes no sense. Then why release the strategic oil reserves? Why? And candidly, the amount that they're releasing is going to be insignificant. But the point is, at the same time, if we collectively have a higher supply of oil, which there's plenty of oil still in this, both in this country and around the world, if we would simply get out of the way of the people and also not create not create obstacles for businesses. A lot of a lot of the hesitation, folks, is because people don't know what the demand is going to be in a year, oil companies and so forth, because they know that a, a recession is looming on the horizon, some would even say upon us, because of fiscal policies. And so why are they going to invest in trying to get more oil out when the demand is potentially going to drop due to recessionary pressures. So why would they increase demand only to be to find out that right as their d- ability to produce more and to meet more demand, the demand drops? I mean, it, it is, I'm telling you, my son asked me, I said, it's not, I'm trying to be fair here. 90% of what we're dealing with when it comes to oil prices, gas prices right now, is the direct, direct, actions or inactions of our government. And I'm going to blame the Republicans in this state as well. I I am sick and tired of just ineptitude or lack of concern or lack of thinking things through, lack of principles. I don't even care anymore. I'm sick of it. Republicans in this state bear responsibility for this in the state as well. Our gas price, our taxes in this state on gas are higher. It's going to be 56 cents in this in June. 56 cents in the state of Indiana. That's Indiana tax plus 18.4 federal. So you're paying 75 cents in tax. You're paying a little bit more, by the way, for your driving diesel. I think it's maybe six, seven, eight more cents. So you're over 80 cents, courtesy of the state government and the federal government. And candidly, it's mostly the state. So I want to talk about these things today. I want to look at some oil profits. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what is too much of a profit. Why is profit bad? Where the real drivers of the cost are. And I want to go through this because this is something that needs to be understood in this country. And I've got to take a time out. A little bit long in this segment as you're used to me <laughs> telling you that we are. But quick time out. Come, up, uh, come back after the break and pick up on this discussion back in just a minute. My friends, so let's get more into this issue here. Let's get into this issue of, well, the the narrative on these gas prices. I want to go through this really quickly. I want to go through this. I want to talk about, because you've heard, I've had conversations with people. I've had conversations with people who typically are on the left, or at least on the Democrat side of understanding things. And they really, you know, they've heard that oil profits, and, and you You've heard how they've been uh, – the narrative has been framed. Oil profits are at, you know, that they've uh, – what I see, 300% higher than they were uh, from the first quarter of 2021. By the way, you know how intentionally deceitful that is? Do you know what the first quarter of 2021 is? That is – that is still – that was still within the first year of COVID. 
and profits were still historically low. Demand was historically low. We didn't have we had a mess on our hands in the spring, the first quarter of 2021. So they knowingly do this. They knowingly tell us that you know, they, they want it to sound bigger than what it is. So let's go through the actual numbers. I actually, and I've got links. I've got links. If you want to go see, go to our stack of stuff, community.toddhuffshow.com. Go to the stack of stuff. You will see, you'll look at today's date, June 16th, Exxon Mobil's profits, BP's profit. I took the five biggest. Exxon, uh, Exxon Mobil, BP, Chevron, Shell, ConocoPhillips. Now, in general, you've heard me say on this program before that it's typically the case that oil companies are a couple percent, two, three, four, five percent. Um, you can go back; some of them trend a little higher, but it's not. It's usually not. It's in that vicinity. It's in the five, six percent range a lot of times. You can look. There's links here where you can go back to like 2000 and I don't know 2010 or something like that. Exxon Mobil's first first quarter. Net profit margin, ExxonMobil, who I believe is the number one, the biggest oil producer, eight eight point one four percent. That's net profit margin. That means, well, I'll do the math here in a moment. BP. Now this is interesting. BP posted a negative first quarter profit uh, report, but it needs a little bit of ex- explanation, and I'm going to tell you. That I'm going to explain it fairly, but I'm telling you right now, if something like this benefited the lefts, if, if, if keeping information from you benefited the media's narrative, there's no way on earth the media would tell you, would explain this. So BP posted a 9.77 negative, negative um, profit margin for the first quarter of 2022, but... The reason is because it sold, let's see, what's the the actual way to say this here? Um, They sold a stake in a Russian-controlled oil company called Rosneft, R-O-S-N-E-F-T. So that's where the negatives came from. If you take that out, how that showed up on the financials, they actually profited. But it, again, it was in the, I'd have to look at what the actual net was, but their profits would have been $6.2 billion, and I percentage-wise, I'd have to, to check, but it's in those numbers I gave you's range. Again, the actual number shows a negative 9 point whatever percent loss or 9% loss, but it was more in the neighborhood of a, of a 6 7 8%, something like that, gain. So that's two of the five oil companies, BP and ExxonMobil. Let's look at, as soon as my screen refreshes here, my tech has been acting funny today. Chevron posted an 11.1% net profit margin. Shell posted a 7.27%. Now, ConocoPhillips, um, again, I don't know the details here, but I do know that even people who want to portray... ConocoPhillips as as one of the five um, people who have or companies who have profiteered and had windfall profits. They still don't they don't they don't post this number, but the the actual number is twenty two point five percent. 
So I, there's something similar to what happened with BP in the other direction because basically the, the sum total of all of these top five, it's roughly $35 billion in profit. $35 billion in profit. So we're looking at companies that are 7 to 10 or so percent in, in net profit. That means, and that's not the final, final line, the EBITDA number, but EBITDA, is that what it is? It's the, the bottom, bottom line. But this is the net line, and these are, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11%. Now, to give context, and I'm going to do this quickly, Let's, let's compare because we have the media freaking out. We have the left freaking out. We hear things about windfall profits tax. My first question would be, well, how much is too much, right? And, and by the way, if companies could predict to the nearest hundredth of a percent <laughs> what their net profits were going to be, why do we have estimates and projections? Why, are, why is stock value moving around so much because of where they think a stock is going to be. If it's so easy to predict, why they act as though these companies can say, yeah, we're going to come in at 3 or 4% every year. Again, if you go back and look at the numbers, they took it on the chin throughout 2020. Uh, really, those numbers started hitting late 2020 into 2021, which again is why they want to compare 2022's numbers against 2021 because it sounds bigger. It's like Biden... Right, Biden, when he became president, he wanted to talk about how many more people were entering the job force, but he wanted to compare it to an economy that was in complete and utter lockdown the previous year because they wanted to say, "Wow, we're at, we've had this much growth in unemployment in the past twelve months." It's all the uh, due to the hard work of President and the and the genius of President Joe Biden, right? But the truth is, we're comparing, and I th- actually, it's probably a pretty fair comparison. A tr- an economy run by Trump that was literally locked down by the government is probably a fair comparison to an economy being run by a leftist like Joe Biden. Anyway, so this is the game that they play. They want to compare it to the previous year, which was the COVID year. I mean, of course these numbers. We should hope these numbers would be better than what they were in the COVID year. So, right? I mean, I do. I'm glad these oil companies had money to lose during the COVID year. Otherwise... We would probably would see less supply because they probably would somebody would be bankrupt. Someone might be not be able to produce any oil whatsoever, any gas. But let's compare it really quickly. Got to take a break to other big brands. I've got five here, and so and there are three that'll the percentages will blow your mind, and a couple that are comparable to to big oil. Actually, a little bit less. Apple net profit margin first quarter of twenty twenty two. Any guesses? 26.41%. Or put another way, Apple's profits, percentage of net profits, I haven't looked at the gross numbers, but Apple's numbers are three times higher than ExxonMobil, who has been framed and branded as a windfall profits, profiteering sort of evil corporation. What does that make Apple? Now, Walmart and Disney, and I got Disney on here as well, but Walmart and Disney... Walmart's at 2.26%. Disney's at 3.46%. Although Disney historically was up around 20% until the COVID stuff hit, and they're still not completely dug out of that. But what about Google? Google's 27.57% net profit margin. Again, I'm not here to complain about it. They make what the market allows them to make. But if 
If 8% a lot by ExxonMobil, if 7% a lot for Shell, I would think 27% a lot for Google. That's four times. Google is four times the evil corporation if numbers are the gauge that we're supposed to use or the tools we're supposed to use to gauge that. Google's four times worse than Shell, I guess. And then, of course, Meta. Our good old friends at Meta, not to be confused with Meta World Peace, who used to be Ron Artest. Meta, who used to be Facebook, 31.2%. How much is too much profit? And who's, where's, where's a lot of this money going? $35 billion in big oil profits in the first quarter. But how much is going to the federal government? What if I told you that the federal government, by the numbers that I've seen here, their profits from oil, which they did nothing to produce, were actually higher than at least a couple of those five oil companies I listed. Isn't that relevant? What about the state? Again, I mentioned Indiana, 56 cents per gallon are the taxes in the month of June. And that's not including, that's just gasoline. That's not diesel. Diesel's over 60 cents. Who's the real culprits here? What if oil, what if oil companies literally made zero profit? I think I did the math for ExxonMobil, and I'll talk about that next segment. But how much would a ga- how much would it really drive down the cost of gasoline? They want you to think it'd be three dollars a gallon. Ain't true, my friends. Quick time out. Listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. Let's continue down this. I just saw a post on social that I guess echoes exactly the wrong part of this argument, which is that these oil companies are big and evil and so forth. I, look, I'm not defending, not defending anybody. I'm just simply saying, let's be fair about this. So big oil profits, first quarter 2022, between the top five, ExxonMobil, BP, Chevron, Shell, and ConocoPhillips. This is, uh, you can read, I got, the, again, links at our show notes page, community.toddhuffshow.com. I say that fast sometimes, don't I? Community.toddhuffshow.com. You can read the article. So how much does the federal government make? Now, I did this quickly, but I did this thoroughly <laughs> as well. Again, you can check my math. You can go to the um, staff stack of stuff and see this. But according to, let's see, this is the EIA, United States Energy Information Administration. How much gasoline does the United States consume? In 2021, which again was still a year we were coming out of COVID or through COVID, right? Um, about 134, almost 135 billion gallons of gasoline, of, of, of finished motor gasoline were consumed in the United States, an average of about 369 million gallons per day. Okay, so that is 6% less than the record high, which was 2018, 392 million gallons of uh, gasoline consumed per day. So if you do the math, 369 million gallons a day, if you take that times 365, which again, if a Bernie Sanders listener or follower or uh, what do you want to say, apostle tuned in today, that is the number of days in a year. So 369 million, I'm just having fun with you. 369 million barrels, excuse me, gallons of gas a day spread out over the course of the year is 100, almost 135 billion 
gallons. Now, the federal government, the federal government um, benefits, they, they have an eight, just the federal government, 18.4 cents per gallon federal gas taxes. So if we take that number, the number of 135 million, um, or excuse me, billion gallons of gas, and we take 18.4 cents, uh, you know, per gallon, that comes out 24.7 billion, almost 24.8 billion for the year, right? And again, this is off of 2021 numbers. I couldn't find 2022's numbers. I'm guessing it's higher for 2022, first quarter. So again, we would take the $24 billion and divide by four because Exxon's, these are quarterly numbers, and quarterly means a fourth. So I had an annual, you know, annual amount of taxes. Let's take a quarter of that for the, the quarter, a fourth of that for the quarter. So it comes out to $6.1 billion. Six point, almost six point two billion dollars in quarterly, or excuse, in in government profits. And what did government do to produce this? This is important as well. Nothing. You know what government did? Government stood as an obstacle. Government, government did the things that I talked about off the top of the show. They do things that don't make any sense. That that slow down your ability to drive through traffic. They. Um, they make it harder to pull oil out of the ground. They create an environment, an economic environment that makes these big oil companies hesitant to invest. They create inflation at such numbers that it makes companies worry about what demand will be in six months or 12 months or maybe two months. And so these folks, these big oil companies are hesitant to try to drive up production because it's only going to fall off potentially off a cliff if we hit uh, recessionary amounts. So there's that consideration. There's bureaucracy. There's taxes. There's all this stuff. They, none of this stuff serves to actually help the company or the consumer. It serves to enrich the government. So let's compare. Let's do it. Let's do it. We want to we want a bad mouth. Exxon, I say go for it. Bad mouth Exxon, bad mouth Shell. Go for it. I don't really care one way or the other. But if we're going to do that, shouldn't we also bad mouth, bad mouth our government? Again, the federal government would have profited, my estimates, about $6.2 billion in the first quarter. That puts them ahead of ConocoPhillips, who profited $4.3 billion. I'm looking at AmericanProgress.org, their own numbers. So their federal government's at least in fourth place. They're tied with BP, $6.2 billion. They almost caught Shell, who's in third, at $6.5 billion. In fact, if we actually ran the real numbers, I'm guessing they would be maybe tied or even ahead of Shell. So they might be third. So when you list, think about this, if you list the biggest profits by oil, you know, people who profited off of gasoline first quarter of 2022, I can document the federal government's at least tied for fourth and potentially in third all by themselves. So it would go Shell at $9.1 billion, ExxonMobil at 8.8, federal government at maybe closer to $7 billion, 6.5 to $7 billion. That's where Chevron comes in, 6.5, BP at 6.2, and ConocoPhillips, 4.3. Who's the problem again? And that's not even counting the state. Again, my state, many of your state, the state of Indiana, 56 cents a gallon. 
56 cents a gallon. When we get back, I want to tell you how much gasoline would be if we, if, if these corporations um, didn't sell any, um, didn't make any profits. What, what do you think it would be? That, again, we're supposed to believe, if you listen to the radicals, that gas would be $3 a gallon. Simply not accurate in the slightest. Quick time out, and I'll explain those numbers. Be back in just a minute, my friends. Folks, I need to tell you that I'm actually using smaller, the, the larger numbers, because ExxonMobil's official report was $5.5 billion profit first quarter. I'm going off of some of these people that just try to inflate that and say it's really more because of this, that, and the other. I'm giving you bigger numbers. And if the Exxon numbers are correct at $5.5 billion, which that's what they're showing here in their quarterly report, then the federal government would be potentially the biggest contributor, the biggest, uh, the one who benefited the most, profited, profited the most. But basically, folks, if we were to take... If we were to take, um, I'm going to give some really rough figures. Exxon's Exxon's revenues for the first quarter were 90, 90 billion, I think, around the neighborhood of ninety billion. Let's just say a hundred, a hundred billion, right? And they profited somewhere between five and eight. We know that the the numbers came in at like eight percent or something like this. If we let's just say that they said, you know what, we're going to donate. We're going to donate that money back, and we're going to break even. So let's say the what is the average cost of gas right now? It's five something. Let's just say it's five bucks, just for this case, the sake of simple math. So five dollars times point nine two. So they take that eight percent of their profit and they say we're going to lower your gas by whatever profit we have. We're going to break even. The media is going to adore us, and we're going to be heroes. The price of gas would go from five dollars. To four dollars and sixty cents per gallon. Meanwhile, my friends, if we took out all the taxes in the state of Indiana, the five dollars per gallon would come down seventy-five cents to four dollars and twenty-five cents a gallon. So I ask you, those who care about information and facts and truth, which is higher, <laughs> federal and state taxes, or? ExxonMobil's profits. It's hip and cool to go out, and I'm, I'm not defending them. I'm simply saying, let's at least be fair. If ExxonMobil is to be blamed for this, then I can come up and say, you know, we can do the math and say the government is to blame X percent more. Just out of time here, my friends. Quick time out. Come back and wrap up. Back in just a minute. <laughs> Hey, my friends, I just did the math here. Um, if gas is roughly an average of $5 a gallon, which we know that it is, and it looks, on um, rough numbers, Exxon would have made $0.40 cents a gallon, which meant if we took away all of their profits, they still would have only, uh, gas would still only drop to four sixty a gallon. State and federal taxes in my state of Indiana... 75, I'm rounding to 75 cents, which if gas is $5 a gallon, would take you down to 425, which means government profits, state and local, profits twice as much as Exxon did. I don't, I mean, if Exxon's to blame, 
then the government is twice as much to blame. By the math. Science is spoken, my friends. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. See you tomorrow, folks. STG.